Let's open our Bibles this morning to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, as we're spending a couple weeks on the abundance of God and where it comes and when it comes and in what form it comes. We're going to look at uh, today that there is a certain responsibility that we have when we've received abundance from the Lord, a certain expectation that what flows into our lives is going to flow out of our lives. Luke chapter 6, and it's just a couple verses, but they are, uh, they are very direct to us today. Luke chapter 6, verses 43, 44, and 45. And if you're able, would you stand with me as I read from the Word of God. Our gracious Lord, we ask that you would send upon us your Holy Spirit to give us understanding so that our eyes would be open, so that the words on the page would not simply stay on the page, but they would penetrate our hearts, that they would open up all that we are to understand what you have for us and what you expect from us. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. So Luke chapter 6, verse 43. For there is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor on the other hand a bad tree which produces good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good, and the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. This is God's word for us today. Please be seated. When we, when we see that, that a box, example, at the grocery store says Cocoa Puffs, we expect that when we open that box, we will find Cocoa Puffs. I mean, that's, that's what we expect. Here's the advertising. And when we expect it to say, when it says on the outside, chocolatey goodness, or I haven't bought Cocoa Puffs in a long time, so we'll say it says chocolatey goodness, we expect to find chocolatey goodness inside. We do not expect to find Fruit Loops inside the box of Cocoa Puffs, okay? And that all goes back to a simple thing. It's called truth in advertising. When you, somebody says something, you expect them to follow through on it. Now, that does not apply in what realm? Politics. There's no truth in advertising law in politics, is there? I'm going, it's a, what, a chicken in every pot who said that? Yeah. George was. <laughs> and, and, and say, you know, you, you see, and they're going to make these promises and things are going to be good. And then, then they get into office and you go, well, didn't you say this? Well, that was just to get elected, to appeal to the masses. We ignorant masses. That's us, okay? Ignorant masses. Um, but but it's, it's, it makes me crazy when you, you, you hear this and, and you see what it says and they make these promises, whether it's advertising or politics, then it they, they doesn't come through. And the internet is, as example, is replete with stories of people who ordered things online and got different things. Okay? Now, maybe you have been part of this, and, and, and there are famous things. People order shoes, and they come Barbie shoes. Or they order uh, rugs, and they come the size of post-it notes. Uh, or they, uh, you know, prom dresses. I've got daughters. Okay, prom dresses. They order them online, and they see the picture. And the picture is, is of course, 
some fabulous model who hasn't eaten in two weeks, you know, and, and just looks great. And the dress comes in one arm, you know, the old bit where the, the, the suit looks like this and, you know, all that kind of, that's the way that it looks. And they go, oh, how can this happen? Or you go to the drive through you know, and you order uh, a quarter pounder. And, and you're, you're two miles down the road and you're through the stoplights and you say, well, I don't have time to stop. I'm going to eat on the road. And you pull that out and you open the bun and you got like lettuce. And there's no quarter pounder there. There's no meat in the center of that. Or, or one time I, I went through the drive-thru and, and I, I opened the bag. I'm down the road and, and there's that what's in the bag has no semblance of similarity to what I ordered. You know, so I got, what I wanted was not in the bag. Okay. Now, there are expectations that what I see or what I hear will be followed through on. Okay? And especially in advertising what we see on the outside, there'll be what's on the inside. And there, there are lawsuits about all this, uh, uh, you know, false advertising. One of the most famous lawsuits was Kashi. Now, now I've eaten Kashi before, and it's, you know, healthy, good for you. And it says it's all natural, uh, but when they did some tests on, on, on some boxes of kashi, they found that most of it was a synthetic substitute, okay? And it was not really natural, and they've got a class action suit about it, and there are plenty of other illustrations about class action suits, so what they said was supposed to be there and was not there. Well, you know where I'm going with this. If I say that this is what's on the inside of me, then it better be on the inside of me. And the only way that I can prove that it's on the inside of me is how? That it shows on the outside of me. I can remember, I'm in Pennsylvania. It's the first couple of years we were married, and my first car was a Ford Fiesta, okay? Did anybody else have a Ford Fiesta? Oh, well, they had 12-inch tires on it, okay? That tells you how small that it was. But I just drove that thing into the ground, and, and when I traded it in, I drove up to the dealer like this. You know, when I parked it, there's smoke, smoke coming out of it, and the guy walked out and said, said you're trading this? And I said, the deal's already been done. I, I knew the general manager. He went to the church. The deal's been done. So I'm, I'm driving this Fiesta before it died, and I pull up to the stoplight, and next to me is a 427 Cobra, okay? Now, now you, if you know what that is, there weren't so many made. And, and this, was, this was a big moment in my life. I mean, to actually see a 427 Cobra, and I'm thinking, oh, you know, I got the drool running out of my mouth thinking about this car. And so I'm going to roll down my window and listen to the 427 cubic inches of power that's next to my 1.2 liter Fiesta. So I roll down my window, and instead of hearing the boom, 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 I hear tick, 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 tick. It's a kid car. Okay? It's, a v, it's a Cobra body on a VW Bug. And I was like, I'm so disappointed. I mean, what crushed my hopes, my poor little heart. And, and you know, so I, don't advertise that you're this super fast car and show me that you're a 45 horsepower VW bug. So when the light turned green, oh, I burned him right off the lawn. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jesus' point here is, is obvious. Don't tell me you're full of goodness and not show it. 
because a good tree will show good fruit, and a bad tree will show bad fruit. Okay, and that's just this the way it is. A tree produces after its nature. Let's look at verse 43 again. A tree produces after its nature. There is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor bad tree which produces good fruit. You can't go to a rotten tree and, and expect some sweet, succulent pear to be there. Okay? You go to a tree that is healthy. You go to a tree that has no disease on it. There you're going to find the good fruit. There you're going to find something that is tasty and, and, and sweet. But if you go to a tree that's crawling with insects that looks like the trunk is rotten, you're not going to find something really tasty there. See, every tree is known by its fruit, verse 44. And if you're looking for figs, don't go to a thorn bush. Because a thorn bush produces thorns. A fig tree produces figs. It's just the way it is. Trees produce after their nature. The nature, their species, the the quality of that tree can only be known by what it produces. The condition of our hearts really are invisible to everybody else. Now, the Lord knows the quality of our hearts. And I can come and I tell you that I I just love the Lord so much. That he's done so much for me in my life that 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 you know it's it's just so sweet to read his word and, and to be in the fellowship and and then when when you walk away I turned around and I said did you see what that person was wearing I can't believe they would go out in public like that oh did, did the sweetness that I just say work out in its fruit no I produced bad fruit and and that speaks to my heart because you know, I can look good on the outside. What did Jesus say to the, the Pharisees? You're whitewashed tombs. Man, you look good on the outside, but inside of you, rotten and death. So you can talk, but sooner or later, what is inside will come out. And Jesus says, if you have really been changed, if your heart has been changed by grace and by mercy and by the things of Christ, if you are a new creation in Christ, it's time to produce it's time to show that and and really if we look at this here um, look at verse 45 the fruit in particular that this passage is referencing is the fruit that comes out here verse 45 the good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good okay brings forth and from his mouth he speaks what fills his heart from his mouth, he speaks what fills his heart. So what's inside comes out of our mouths. And if we're spewing anger and bitterness and pettiness and jealousy, um, I can't say that God fills my heart. Okay. Now, there are times in my life where I have spewed some anger and I have spoken jealous words or petty words. But if that is the habitual practice of my life, I have a real problem. I have a real problem. If I am angry all the time, if I am jealous of, of, of other things, if I am envious of other people, if, um, if I am petty, if I am a gossiper, if that just comes out of me all the time, I've got to ask, what is in my heart? Is my heart really changed? Now, there are times where I might struggle with those things and, and times where we, we slide into it, but we want to move away from it. Now, you might say, well, gee, ran." Are you saying that, 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 you know, that some people are just good people and they have good hearts? No, none of us have a good heart. 
We are all sinful in our origins, but it is when, when Christ changes our heart. And the only way you can get a good heart is to be born again through the work of the Holy Spirit, through the work of Christ. And once you're born again, it's not automatic. Boy, wouldn't that be great if it was just automatic, if we flip the switch. You know, I came to Christ today, and I'm a new creation in Christ. Now everything that will come out of my mouth will be good fruit. Well, after, you know, let's say you do that when you're 50. You've had 50 years of bad habits or bad fruit or, um, you know, all these things. And now you're going to say, is it going to change in a day? I've got to get rid of those. It'll take some time to overcome those. The issue is now you have the capacity, you have the ability, you have the desire to overcome all those things. There'll be a struggle between the old and new. But for those who've tasted the Father's mercy, we we know where we want to be. We want to produce from what the Lord has poured into our lives. Now, you notice that the good man produces out of the good treasure which is in his heart. Where does that come from? Well, to get the good treasure in your heart, you have to meditate upon God's word. Uh, Is it Psalm... uh, I should know this since I'm up here. Psalm 1 or 2, um, you know, you, you, you um, let's go to Psalm 1. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh. Yes, it is Psalm 1 that we want to go to. Hmm? Psalm 1, this is, this is great. And this is how the, the book of Psalms starts off. This is the priority. This is where we spend our time. If we're going to have a good storehouse from which to draw or from which will flow the abundance of the Lord, then it, we have to meditate upon what the Lord has for us. We have to meditate upon His Word. Now, the distinction, when I say meditate, this is not some Eastern mysticism meditation. Okay, in Eastern mysticism and, and, and the types of meditation that are out there that are not Christian, the whole purpose is to empty your mind. The whole purpose of Christian meditation is to fill your mind. Okay, uh, you remember Jesus talked about, and I'm not going to try to reference this one. Uh, this is paraphrasing. Remember, Jesus said, "Hey, if if we throw out a demon and nothing fills that, what what happens? He brings." Seven of his buddies back in. So you've got to fill your mind. An empty mind is a dangerous thing because it is open to almost anything. By meditating and filling your mind with the word of God, then you build up this storehouse. Look at Psalm 1, verse 1. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of the sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord." And in his law, he meditates day and night. The word meditates, if you remember, it's the same word that they use for a lion and the noise that the lion makes when he eats. Or how about a cat, since we don't have lions? Um, the purring that a cat makes, a cat really likes its tuna, and it's going as it eats. That's the noise, the type of noise we're talking about. You meditate upon his law day and night and what happens when you do that he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season 
When your storehouse is full by meditating upon the things of the Lord, then you can produce. Let's go to uh, Philippians chapter 4. See, it's out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth is going to speak. And your heart does not get that abundance until you begin to fill it with the things of the word. In the New Testament times, uh, they had cisterns, and, and there are still cisterns around today. But they had overflow pipes on the cistern. And you could always tell what kind of water was in somebody's cistern by what was coming out of the overflow pipe. So think of your life. What's coming out of my overflow pipe? Is it the abundance of what's in my heart? Is it from meditating upon the word? Is, it, is my overflow the things of Christ and the things of grace and mercy? Or is my overflow some of those are things left over from my former days? Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. And this, this is such a great chapter as a whole. We're only going to touch on these two verses. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. Fix your mind on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace shall be with you. So Paul says, fix your mind on these things. Also do what? The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Ooh, do you remember how many stories do we have about people who said, now do as I say, not as I do. You know, the teacher, this is famous, you know, told you before I'm out with my dad, and he tells me how to hit this shot on the golf course. And I said, Dad, can you hit one? And he puts the ball down and shanks it off. And he says, no, pay no attention to what I did. Do what I told you to do. Okay? <laughs> ah. But Paul says, you've heard it, and you've seen it in my life. Now go out and do it yourself, because you have been filled. Fix your mind on these things. Meditate on these things. Get a storehouse that is full of the things of Christ. You've seen the example that's before you. Now go and live it out. Go and live it out. Meditation is the, on God's word is the calling to our mind and the, and the living out of what the Lord has placed there as we have focused upon his word. Historically, the Puritans tried to make a practice of meditating upon six very important things every day. The majesty of God. The severity of sin. The beauty of Christ. Okay, the majesty. Fix your mind on the majesty of God. It's going to take you a while. It's going to take you a while to kind of grasp the majesty of God. The severity of sin. Oh, I really don't like to look at that, <laughs> okay? Uh, I, I know, well, what does Scripture say about my sin? How, what does Scripture say about can sin be in the presence of the Lord? No, there's a terribleness of sin. Fix your mind on the beauty of Christ. Go to the, the prophet Isaiah and read the chapters on the beauty of the suffering servant. Fix your mind on that thing. So the majesty of God, the severity of sin, the beauty of Christ, the certainty of death. The Puritans didn't care about the taxes. They just cared about the certainty of death. Okay? The certainty of death, it comes to each of us. The finality 
of judgment and the misery of hell. Well, I'm a believer and my life has been changed by God's grace. Why do I want to focus on the misery of hell? Who in your life do you know who's not a believer? Who in your family do you know who's not a believer? They're going to face those, the misery of that hell. And our hearts really should break for them. We can't believe for them. We can't change their minds. All we can do is present the truth, live the truth. They can see the abundance of grace in our lives. The Lord must change their hearts. So those are the six things that the, the Puritans tried to meditate upon each and every day. And they, were, they thought they were essential for cultivating heavenly-mindedness so that our hearts would be focused more upon the Lord than upon the world around us. So Paul says, what you heard and what you saw in me, put this into practice. Hear it, see it. Isn't that the way we learn? The best way? We hear what we're supposed to do, we see what we're supposed to do. Let's make an example of this. Uh, Let's say here you are, a strapping young man, and it is uh, May, and school's almost over. And you go to the football coach at your high school and you say, Coach, I'd like to play football next year. He said, Great. Love to have you. And he gives you one of those yellow books, you know, you see in the store. And, and this one says, Football for Idiots. Okay? And he says, I want you to read this book all summer. This is what you're supposed to do read this book. And you diligently go home, and all summer you're reading Football for Idiots. And out comes a Friday night in August. And you show up at the game along the sidelines and he gives you the uniform and you know how to put the uniform on because you read the book and then he puts you in the game. What's going to happen? Get crushed, okay? First snap. Some big lineman's going to just come and run over you. What you need is to understand what's going to happen and then practice it and then be corrected on your errors, and then to see somebody else who knows how to do it, do it before you, and then to go against them. And you need to practice and practice and practice and practice. Then after, you know, you come to him as a freshman, then when you're a junior, you can play. You just don't get it from just reading it. Paul says, meditation, instruction, You hear it, you fill your heart, you hear it from me, you see it in my life. These are the ways that it goes. Then you experience the promise of God, and the God of peace will be with you. And the God of peace will be with you. See, whatever's in your heart is going to come out. Let's turn to uh, Matthew chapter 7. A good man has a changed heart. An evil man does not have a changed heart. It's not his heart has been made evil. His heart is naturally evil. And what is in there is going to come out. So a a, a truly good man who's been transformed on the inside represents the the things of the kingdom, represents a heart that is regenerative, uh, that has been changed. And he brings forth what is good. Fresh water brings forth fresh water. You can't, get, you, know, you can't go to a saltwater spring and expect to get fresh water. You're going to get what you get because that is what its nature is. So not only out of his mouth, but certainly out of his conduct. The mouth is just kind of the first place we see things. But our conduct is also going to demonstrate what is in our hearts. Now Jesus gives a further illustration of this, and it's a negative illustration about knowing them by their fruits. Matthew 7 um, Verse 15, 
And he deals here with false prophets. Verse 15, he says, Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous. So here you have inwardly the ravenous rules, wolves. That's their heart. That is their nature. On the outside, they look like sheep. They look like the rest of us. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes nor figs from thistles. Are they? And the answer is no. Of course not. This is who they are on the inside. This is the way that they will be on the outside. Jesus says false prophets produce bad fruit. Good fruit is just not in a false prophet's nature. They can't produce it because they don't know it. So you have to be careful who you follow, who you listen to, who you read. Is this person a true prophet or are they false? How do you know? Do they say, this is the word's Lord? This, this is the Lord's word. This is what we need to adhere to. This is what we need to shape our lives to. This is the image of Christ. This is what we need to conform our lives to so that we become more and more like him. People say, oh, you know, part, there, there's a group that says we need to meditate and, and, and this is even within the Christian world. We need to meditate to open our minds to hear the word of God as if God has not spoken to us already. God has spoken to us very clearly already. It's right here. Okay, Scripture says, meditate upon my law. Fill your mind with my law. Fill your mind with my precepts. Fill your mind with the word of God. Then will you know what God wants you to do? It's in here. How am I supposed to live? It is in here. Not waiting for, some, for the Lord to speak to me. It is in here. He will speak to you from what he has already said. Jesus says, I'm the way, and I'm the truth, and I'm the life. There's only one way of the Father. And we need to meditate upon that truth. Fill our minds with the things of Christ. So we all have to examine our words, our lives, our actions, our attitudes, and say, if I'm going to declare that I'm a believer, if I'm going to declare to the world that the, the Holy Spirit lives within me, that my life has been changed by the work of Christ, what are my fruits? What have I produced? Now, have I produced perfectly? No, that's, that's the answer. You, you, I'm going to answer that for you right now. You have not produced perfectly. You have not produced regularly. You may be more regular, but it is tough. We're battling against our nature. Now, Christ lives within us, and that sinfulness remains in our lives. It doesn't reign in our life. It remains in our life. How do we put it aside? By filling our minds, meditating by, on the Word of God. We produce in our lives what God has given to us. Fix our minds upon what God has given to us. Live out the abundance that He has given to us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you've given us an abundance. I mean, mean, you've made us, as Romans says, Paul says in Romans, more than conquerors. We're hyper-conquerors. Here is what you've given us, and we have the ability to go far beyond that. It says your grace is super abundant. Here is my sin. Your grace is far beyond that. But when it comes to to living these things out, living out abundance of what you have given to us, it can be very difficult because we're struggling with our own natures. We're struggling with our own desires and wills. And, And 
and you say, here, look what I've given to you. Look at the sacrifice of my son. Look at that grace and mercy. Live those things out. Love your neighbor. Care for your neighbor. Declare to them the things of truth. Give and don't ask for anything in return. Demonstrate in both little ways and big ways what I have shown to you. Love others in the way that I have loved you. These, these are just some of the things that you tell us, Lord. We get so caught up in our lives and, and so busy, and, and, and often those things go by the wayside. But, Lord, we have opportunities each and every day to demonstrate the abundant love that you have given to us. We just ask, Lord, that you make us mindful of those opportunities. If it comes down to a battle of our wills, remind us of what your word says. Remind us that we need to put aside our desires and take upon yours. That we need to live those things out. Lord, Christ has has paid the, the price for us that we might be enabled to do this. That our sin would be forgiven. That we might be washed in his blood and cleansed and and the Holy Spirit would live within us. And so, Heavenly Father, we, we want to live these things out. And we know it will be difficult some days. But you have made the way for us to do it. You have given us Christ. You have given us an abundance that should overflow from who we are. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.